0: Are you a control freak? Well, if you're like me, the answer is yes. You are a control freak. And how do you know if you're a control freak? I'll tell you how you know. You know because if there's a project at hand or something that needs to be done, if you don't have control over it, then you know it's not gonna go the best if you don't go by your plans. Your plans are always best, all the time versus anybody else's, why listen to anybody else when your plans are simply the ones that produce the best results? If you have this mentality, then you're like me and you're a complete and utter control freak. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing in all scenarios. Sometimes we do things and have plans that do produce good results. But if you have that mentality that my way is the best way, like I know I personally struggle with, then sometimes it makes it hard for us to trust God and what he has for our lives and the plans and what he wants to do to bless us. So if you're struggling with that today, then today's message is for you, as we're going to dive into our stories, into our series, Extraordinary, Extravagant, The Exodus, and see how when it comes to the story of Moses, and when he was taken into the Pharaoh's princess's house, how ultimately that was God and what he had to do for Moses's life. And as soon as his family could let God have control of the scenario, God was able to use that to bless not only them in the short term, but his whole family in the long term. This is Katie Thomas on Being Bold MCR. So before we begin today, a lot of you have probably been asking yourselves why the name of the podcast has all of a sudden changed and added three letters at the end, M, C, and R. If you're wondering this yourself, then, you know, the reason that I changed it to MCR was because I was going over in my head thinking about all the different kinds of things that we could be bold about. Um, one of the things one of the old blogs I had started last year but ultimately had not gone off the ground was called the messengers blog because something I was passionate about was us being messengers of the gospel but then there's another thing that had kind of been on my head about the idea of us being conquerors and what Paul has to say about us being conquerors through Christ and how that's a really empowering thing and you know The whole point of being bold is to empower individuals so that way people in my generation, the millennial generation, can know that God's not done with us in the church. And so then I thought about the fact that the church needs revival in the sense that there are so many of us dormant Christians out there who go through the motions of the church every single day, but don't view it as a movement that God is using us for each and every day. And so with these three concepts in mind, I considered the idea of changing the blog name completely to The Messenger's the conquerors or the revivalists, but they all three kind of fit together. So what I went ahead and did was moved it to where it was being bold. Messengers, conquerors, and revivalists. Because we can be all of those things. And so if you're wondering why it changed from the last time, that's the reason why. It's because this whole podcast and blog and what I hope to kickstart as a ministry is ultimately to reach people who don't feel like they're worth anything in the church and like their story doesn't matter at all, when in fact their story does matter. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, how God weaves us in his story and his plan, and ultimately how God uses us as messengers, conquerors, and revivalists for the church and the greatest movement in the history of mankind and on this planet. So if you're wondering that, that's the whole reason it changed. But also as well, a couple other announcements before we get into today's message. Um, The whole reason, you're probably also wondering why I didn't post the whole Apostate Beliefs Judgment segment. Um, podcast from last Saturday and the reason is is because what I'm going to be doing is inviting in one of my best friends and we're going to be discussing the idea of judgment and the idea of loving people and kind of what society has viewed the church should believe rather than what it does believe and I'm going to bring be bringing in another person and so we're saving the date for that podcast to be released from that series um, until a little bit later we haven't exactly figured it out yet but it is coming I promise it just hasn't come yet as well the last housekeeping thing is there's a website now, beingboldmcr.weebly.com, if you want to go see blog posts or any other updates about what being bold is doing. And then you can follow on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at beingboldmcr. So now that that's all gotten out of the way, I want to go ahead and dig into today's message about God's plan for us and what He's going to be using us for and how He used people in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Exodus. Whenever we look at Moses, Moses did not, was not born into the best of circumstances. He wasn't born into this awesome society that accepted him simply because he was an Israelite kid. He was a Hebrew kid and like we talked about in the last message, Egypt didn't like the Israelites. In fact, they were taking the baby boys and throwing them into the Nile so that way they would drown and they would die simply because they didn't want a war to rage with their enemies and this huge group of people that had overpopulated, in their opinion, Egypt, to move to the enemy's side and ultimately defeat Egypt and the whole empire and kingdom at the time. So this is the whole, this is the whole society that no, or, uh, Moses was born into. And so basically, we start off in Exodus chapter 2. And in my Bible, it's titled The Birth of Moses. Um, that's the section. And we're going to be reading all the way to verse 10. Starts off, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to her son. When she saw that it was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went out to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it she opened it and saw the baby he was crying and she felt sorry for him this is one of the hebrew babies she said then his sister asked pharaoh's daughter shall i go and get one of the hebrew women to nurse the baby for you yes go she answered so the girl went and got the baby's mother pharaoh's daughter said to her take this baby and nurse him for me and i will pay you So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And sorry if that looks really weird on the camera. I'm reading it off my computer while also filming on my computer. So that's a side note. But where we start off in this is that Moses is born into this awful society. And what I really like to note is that whenever we look at verse 2, Um, when it says, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw it was a fine child, she hid him for three months. The first thing I want to note about the scripture that's so interesting is that a lot of scholars and a lot of different translations, instead of using the word fine or beautiful, actually used the word healthy. So this was a healthy baby boy. There was nothing wrong with this. And at the time, all these boys were being born and no mother wanted to give their kid up and just have them thrown into the Nile. So this mother has her motherly instincts kicks in and she hides the baby for three months. And Honestly, it almost reminds me of all the scenarios in the past where people have hid other people from governments in order to protect them and how we hear how scary that is and how costly that is for these families. We think of Anne Frank who was hidden in an annex of a building for a really long time during the Holocaust and how that was something that was threatening enough to the family and how that was scary. Here's a mother hiding her baby boy. And, you, you know, you can imagine it's not as easy... Um, as it sounds, to hide a baby boy who you have to nurse for, you have to take care of, who's going to cry because babies do that. So it's really profound to me that she had the audacity to hide this baby in the midst of what was going on, in the midst that she could be in big trouble with the government. But something else that is so interesting to me that stands out is in verse 3. When she couldn't hide him any longer, when he was too big and they just couldn't do it, she hid him in a papyrus basket and coated it with tar and pitch. And a lot of of scholars believe that the word that's used for basket in this context is actually the same word that's used in Genesis 6.14 when talking about the ark. And Genesis 6.14 specifically says, so go make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So the same word used for basket In this scripture is also the same word that was used in Genesis when to describe the ark that would one day be built by Noah, previous before Moses' time, and would save his whole family when God cleansed the earth. And so, the first thing that I think about, and the first note that I want to tell you guys today, is that you know God took Moses, and just as He protected Noah in the ark from the flood and the death. It's interesting how Moses was protected from the death that was around him in the Nile. And what's interesting to me is that the ark in Genesis, when we're talking about Noah, his family was in it. It floated on water, but all around the water was this idea of death, of cleansing the earth, of cleansing all that had been gone wrong. And it was just this overarching idea of just death and shadow, darkness. And then when we look at Moses... Moses is floating in an ark or a basket in the Nile River. And the Nile at the same time represented death. And the reason it did was because these babies were being thrown into the Nile by the government and were being drowned. Hundreds of babies, thousands of babies, just on a long span of time. And Moses, because God had a plan for him, was set in an ark and floated on the Nile River in an ark just like Noah floated in an ark with his family because god had plans for them and god had a purpose and god set them aside in genesis so i find that interesting that the same words are used because merriam webster dictionary actually defines ark as a couple things At first it first says a boatership held to resemble that in which Noah and his family were preserved from the flood which we already talked about why that's significant but secondly its second definition is something that affords protection and safety so the interesting thing is when god has plans for Moses. God is going to use Moses, and so when his mother puts him in a basket, it affords protection and security, but not just protection and security from his mom, but protection and security from God. And I think that's just really interesting, the words that was used and how we can just skip over it when we're reading this passage. But God was protecting Moses because he had plans for Moses from the very, very beginning, even when he was put into the Nile. Not just because he was put into the Nile, but because he was chosen and set aside in the midst of the death that was surrounding him in the Nile from all the babies who had tragically been murdered by the Egyptian government. But But we go on and what I really like to focus on, kind of like in the intro, I talked about if you're a control freak, this is the message for you. And about 10 minutes in, you're probably wondering, why is this the message for me? And the reason it is, is actually because when we look at Moses's mom, Moses's mother was probably just your average mom. And when I say that, I don't just mean culturally in the context, but when you're a mother, and I assume this simply because my mother talks about it. Um, You have mom instincts. You have mom instincts all the time. And basically, you would do anything for your kid. But letting go of your kid is a hard thing. I know because I'm about to go to college in a year and a half. And my mom, she cries whenever we bring that up. But I mean, just to imagine that these kids were being taken away. But what's interesting about Moses' mom is that she placed a child and trusted to see what would happen. She put her baby in in a basket, not knowing what would happen, but she let Moses go. And I think this is interesting because what we find is Moses's mom is going to have to let go of Moses again, you know, into God's will, into God's control. And that's what she did whenever she put Moses in the Nile in the basket. She relinquished control and ultimately God's plans were at work. And what we find later is that Whenever we give control to God, God's plans are always better than our plans. And even though sometimes we're like, God, this, this plan, I don't really like it. Or more what we probably get is, I don't really know the plan. Um, but my plan seems pretty great. God's always got something better. And where Moses' mom could have been like, I can hide my kid a little bit longer. Or I can run away with my kid, um, sp- even after it was spared. Moses was spared by Pharaoh's daughter. She relinquished control. And we find this whenever Miriam, his sister, whenever Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, Miriam comes out and she says, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And what is so interesting about this is the irony that it's Miriam's little brother. You know, that she stood back and watched. Um, And what ended up happening was God, whenever whenever Moses' mother trusted him, not only blessed her in the short term, but blessed the whole nation in the long term. But it all came down to if his mother could let it go. We see this in verse 8. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl, Miriam, went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. So not only when Moses' mother let go of Moses to begin with, did God bless them in the short term, but Moses' mom didn't get the average thing. I mean, this would have been very rare considering how many babies were being born at the time. Earlier, we talked about how they just kept multiplying and kept multiplying and kept multiplying. And these babies were being thrown to the Nile. So this was, this was something extremely, not, not even lucky, but definitely God ordained as we know now, um, for Moses's mom is that she got to take care of her little baby boy. So as a privilege as this is, um, not only did she get to nurse him and take care of her baby, but she also was paid. So by letting go of Moses and now and letting God take control, you know, she ended up getting paid for taking care of her own kid. And this was something that was especially um, wonderful for them because these people weren't being treated right. The Israelites and the Hebrews, they were not being treated right in the time of Egypt. So the fact they were getting paid... To raise a baby boy' just absolutely miraculous and absolutely God ordained, but the part where Moses' mom has to let go is in verse ten when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, so basically Moses' mother had no choice but to let go of Moses and give it to Pharaoh's daughter, as Pharaoh's daughter claimed that claimed Moses as her own and i think it's interesting because if Moses' mother had never done that and never given control to the one who orchestrated this all together for the good of what we know later to be the exodus when moses would lead these people out of egypt and god would use him as the leader if if moses's mother had never done any of these things and given control even in the midst of the like even in the midst of what probably were her wants of just keeping moses raising moses on her own it is her son Ultimately, if Moses' mom had not given control to God, we would not have seen the Israelites go out of Egypt. And at the very least, we would not have seen it done by Moses, who God had already had plans for him to deliver the people at the very beginning. So what this shows us is that sometimes we don't know the plan. I mean, Moses' mother probably did not know the plans that God had, but she still relinquished control Knew and hoped for the best because God has the best for us. And I think that whenever we look to our control in our lives, sometimes we have to let go of the things that we want so dearly because God is going to use the things that we let go, use the people that we sometimes let go, and use our circumstances to ultimately put better circumstances in our hand and use what happened um, to testify to His name and to ultimately. Build a better future, not just for us, but for other generations and for our kids and for who comes after us. And we see that with Moses as Moses led his people out of Egypt. But the second thing that I want to mention today that is interesting and stands out to me in the scripture is simply that God is weaving you into his plan, whether you know or are aware of him or not. Whenever we look to just the circumstances of what happened, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. To bathe. At the same time that Moses was in the Nile and her tenants were walking along the riverbank, she saw the basket amongst the weeds, sent her slaves to get it. She opened it and saw a baby. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then this baby became her son. This is interesting to me because the whole Egyptian religion was very pagan, very dark, not what the Israelites believed in. They did not believe in the same God. And... What we see is that Pharaoh's daughter finds this Hebrew baby, this baby that should just be thrown into the Nile that the attendants could have simply just plunged into the water right next to them and takes Moses as her son and raises Moses. In the midst of all the death that was going on in the midst of all the persecution of the babies that was going on, she takes this one boy, meaning that God had orchestrated these events so that way Moses could grow up, set aside from everybody else, so that way he could eventually lead the people out of Egypt. But without Pharaoh's daughter, this would not have been possible. This would not have been possible because there would have not been an Egyptian to raise this baby and make that exception, meaning that God used Pharaoh's daughter even when she didn't know that the God of the universe had orchestrated these plans together and maybe wasn't even aware of the God of the universe, meaning that God can use us even before we're aware he's using us and maybe even before we're aware of who he is. So if you're a new Christian today and you've spent the majority of your life not knowing who God is, God was orchestrating the plans of your life so that way you would have a better future. And so that way you could use what happened in your past to testify to his name and the goodness when he came into your life. Not to say that God orchestrated sin and orchestrated pain, orchestrated hurt into your life purposefully for the purpose of evil because that's not who our God is but God takes what you what you've gone through and takes that and has a plan for you and uses you and weaves you into this plan that he has for the rest of your life even before you're aware of it because he's given you talents he's given you gifts and he's given you different kinds of personalities and that's what we see with Pharaoh's daughters Pharaoh's daughter goes down and she takes this baby and she raises him as her own son and this son of hers that she claims ends up delivering the people. So God weaves us all together in his plan for his good. But when we put our trust in him, that's when the plans and the purpose for our lives we're able to pursue that because God has that plan, lays it out for our lives. I don't think Pharaoh's daughter was ever aware that God had used her as the means by which Moses would be able to become that leader in basically set him on a course to where he could in the very least live past being a baby in order to lead the people out of Egypt. So I find it interesting that without Pharaoh's daughter this wouldn't have been possible but that God was using her even though she wasn't aware of the universal God. But the last thing I want to point out comes back to that idea of trusting God rather trusting than ourselves. And I have four main things that I want to reiterate before we end today's message. And the first thing is that trusting God means giving him control over a circumstance. So we see that the circumstance at the time was babies dying all around. And not to say that we don't see that in today's society, but just imagine it on the level where the Israelites are seeing babies die all the time. Moses' mother gave the circumstance up to God and God was able to use it as she trusted, what would happen. And God, he used Moses and used her trust to ultimately bless. And ultimately, when she gave control, Moses was able to live probably better off than if she had done anything on her own. But two, trusting God means letting go of the things so his plan can be fulfilled. And we kind of talked about this. If Moses' mom hadn't given up control, then we would not have seen what happened happen later because Moses could have been killed. Moses could have been enslaved. Moses would not have been able to live live that life that set him on a trajectory to eventually become a leader. Three, letting go will leave you with a reward. And we talked about this. When we trust God, God's plans always end up better for us. If Moses' mother had just raised Moses, just raised him, she would have never gotten paid by Pharaoh's daughter to raise him. And granted, she didn't have him the entire life for Moses' entire life or entire childhood. Her family was blessed at the time and was paid for raising Moses because of the circumstances which God had orchestrated. But finally, letting go allows God to use you fully and leave a legacy. What we find later in the book of Exodus is that Moses leads the people out. He's a leader, and that whole trajectory for the Israelites is set throughout the Old Testament. But it starts with Moses when he is born and when his mother relinquishes control and lets God overall have his hand in the situation. And that was able to set a trajectory for what would change Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years. So today, if there's something small going on in your life that you have to give control up. Just have, trust that God is going to do his good work in your life and that he's going to take what you give up, and he's going to replace it with something better. Because our God always wants to replace the things that we have in our life with something better and something that we could use for his kingdom and for our lives and bless us even more than we could ever imagine. And that's the God that we serve. The same God that helped with Moses' situation and helped the Israelites thousands of years ago is the same God today who wants to help you in your situation and your circumstance. And whenever we walk around with clenched fists, holding things tightly in our hand, we're not able to let go and receive what God has that is better for us. And I know I personally struggle with this. I'm not trying to preach to everybody as if I'm higher up than everybody else, but I know for a fact that when I trust God, I have an expectation of the better things that he's going to put in my life. And I can tell you right now, if when you expect that too, you'll see better things come in your life than what you could ever imagine. And you'll see what the things that were in your life, that were harming your life, what they were doing to you and how God does indeed have better for you and has a better use for you than what the world would like you to think. Remember guys, we are being bold messengers, bold conquerors, and bold revivalists. And God wants to use us and our generation to move the church still because the church is being built one by one souls. Each and every one of us is a piece in building the church and building the assembly. And each of us has a mission to go out and deliver the good news and be a messenger, be a conqueror, and be a revivalist in the world that we live in. So thank you guys all for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And if you guys have any questions, make sure to message me on Anchor, on Facebook, or email me at beingboldmcr at gmail.com. So then your questions might be featured on the show. So bye, guys. Have a good week. And remember to be bold.